And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait! 55 days until the start of NFL free agency, 98 until the NFL draft. That is the focus of the New York Jets, and that's going to be our focus here on the Can't Wait podcast. Tim McMaster here, along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. This episode of Can't Wait, presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code the Athletic Pod. Thanks for checking us out. Give us a five-star review wherever you listen if you can. Lots to get to on the show this week. We're going to dive right into it for a change. Uh, we have free agent targets. Dame Brugler's second mock draft is out. Where does he think the Jets will go? We'll talk about that. Uh, and we have your votes. They have been tallied from the poll we sent out, the uh, the questionnaire about who should get the Jets 2021 Can't Wait podcast awards. We'll go through those as well. Uh, how's everybody doing? It's snowing in the city. Connor, is it snowing Same in New here. Jersey? Yeah, yeah, but it's not sticking because I actually got a chance to play golf yesterday. It was 45 degrees. So I got out there with Andy Vasquez and we played a little played a little round, got a chance to breathe a little bit. And then um, we're going to uh, Napa Valley end of this week. So it's I know Bree's coming home from work tomorrow and it's going to be like freaking craziness because she's going to be, you know, uh, bouncing off the walls, getting us ready and getting us packed up. So I was like, all right, I need a little relaxation before that starts. So I can make sure to keep my cool while she's going. Maybe boom, you boom, could boom, like boom, help boom. her and get I ahead do of help. the game. There's no helping. Like it's like, there's, there's, there's only so much you can do. Like, I, I swear to God, I help. I'm not just some like, some like bum who just sits there and does nothing to help her. Like I do help her, but sometimes it's just so, it's so stressful. And she gets so worked up that she actually just tells me to leave sometimes. Like, just go to the gym. Like, just, I need I need my space. I need to do my thing and just get rid of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the room is in there. Yeah, I paused it because I don't, there's like, we have two now and one of them, it's like Bree, Bree bot and Bree bot two. And I got to say a second command to stop the second one. So we just paused it. You have yeah. two that run at the same time? No, 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 no. The one is, uh, you have like we have one forever. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we fight and we put knives on them and see who wins. <laughs> No, we had we had the one and the one the one's battery died, so we had to get a uh, get a second one. So it's just, like we had it for like four or five years. It's the best thing I've ever gotten was a Roomba, and um, now we just needed to upgrade the second one just because it was you know the other one's time had come. You know, someday, someday we're gonna get a Roomba for sure. It's oh, down it's the, the best list thing, though, man. at this point. Best thing. I know, I know. All right, let's talk free agents, Connor. Um, you have uh, kind of circled two that would be perfect fits for this Jets team, and it this is fun because it also factors into the mock draft we're going to be talking about later because if you sign somebody in free agent it changes what you're going to do in the draft and all of that stuff um but but a couple of guys one position the jets need desperately is tight end we talked to dane brugler last week about this draft there are tight ends in it but they're not your first round you know instant star type tight ends they're more second and third round and maybe somewhat projects so it makes a lot of sense for the Jets to find one in free agency. 
And you have circled Dalton Schultz, uh, who was coming off a great game with the Cowboys. And what a disastrous game that was against the Niners. But Schultz was great. Seven catches, 89 yards, 78 catches last season, over 800 yards. Um, Certainly a lot better than what the Jets showed at the tight end position this season. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think when you assess the free agent landscape is is probably the word, is that you need to look at the positions that are there because – seldom do some positions hit the open market because that's one of those things that once you get those guys, you hold on to them forever. And then other times there are more, there are different positions that are much more bountiful than, than other ones. Um, An example of a position that just doesn't generally hit free agency. You just don't generally find those studs out there, except for those rare situations would be like left tackle, right? Like, like offensive tackle. Like when you have a tackle, you hold on to that tackle for a good long while. You know, you just, you don't usually find the cream of the crop, the premier level, the next level guys at offensive tackle. The the Jack Conklin signing even that the Browns made. I mean, he's turned out to be, I know, he, I think he got banged up this year, but he had a great season for the Browns last year. But the issue with him coming out of, I believe it was Tennessee, was that they weren't sure if he was going to stay healthy and if he would be that next level player. Well, in Cleveland, he's been that next level player. He just hasn't really stayed healthy. You know, if he was a, no doubt all pro player in Tennessee, and he was a guy that that was never injured. There's no chance in hell that he's going to hit the free agent market. However, center and guard, you can usually find some of those decent players out there in free agency. You flip to the other side on defense, you don't usually find the, the Nick or Joey Bosa's in free agency. You don't find the Miles Garrett's in free agency. You can find some guys that you believe have high upside that maybe you hit on that lottery ticket, like the Buccaneers did with Shaq Barrett, like the Jets were hoping to do with Carl Lawson, but the every single year double-digit sack guy, unless that player has some serious off-field concerns, you very, very rarely have those players hit free agency. However, you can, on the flip side of that, find really good safeties. You can usually find a lot of good safeties that you don't have to break the bank for, you know? And and the unfortunate part about those other positions like pass rusher, uh, like receiver, like offensive tackle, is that you're going to have, if you grade them out A through A through F, you're going to have B-level players getting A-level money because while they're not an A-level player, they are the top player at that position on the free agent market. So what I think you're going to see the Jets probably do this year is that they're going to use those positions that aren't necessarily readily available in free agency, those next top-tier levels that aren't available there in free agency, like receiver, like pass rusher. I think you're going to see them divert their attention at for those positions to the NFL draft, to the trade market. I think that's where you're going to see them go. However, those positions that are usually a little bit more bountiful on the open market, that's where you're going to see them cha- them going them going to pounce and, and they're going to try to go out there and, and get those players. And the two I think that top the list for me, the two that I think would just be a plus perfect acquisitions for the Jets, as you touched on the first one with Dalton Schultz, and the second one's Marcus Williams, the Saints out of out of New Orleans. Speaking first, just specifically on Schultz, I mean, this was this is a Jets offensive scheme. You know, the the Kyle Shanahan offense that historically you can go back to when his dad was calling the shots they've always kind of somehow found a way to get really good success out of the tight end position you know i mean whether it was uh sharp with with shanahan's dad and then you go to chris cooley and 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 jordan cameron for a while and and just fred davis and and the list really goes on and on and on and sometimes there were like legitimate borderline hall of fame, definite all pro probable pro bowl players that were making those plays. Like Cooley was a pro bowl player. Sharp obviously was a pro bowl hall of famer. Uh, George Kittle obviously has had a lot of success there, but you can almost go through every single one of those teams and find even average tight ends 
they were able to put up 600, 700, 800 yard seasons in this system because this system likes to use that tight end as the safety valve, you know, run first zone blocking scheme, have those yak receivers, but then check down to the tight end when all else fails. The Jets wanted to do that this year. They just couldn't do it at tight end. They couldn't. I mean, they didn't have that player. You know, they wanted to go after Janu Smith, and they did go after Janu Smith very, very hard in free agency. He chose to sign with the New England Patriots. So they pivoted, and they went to the second-tier, third-tier options on the open market, and they went out there, and they got Tyler Croft. Well, they found very quickly that Dan Brown, Tyler Croft, Kenny Yabo, and Ryan Griffin just weren't able to get it done. So the, ba- the Jets were basically – playing with 10 men or without a tight end for the vast majority of the season. And and I know adding a tight end is a big priority for this team. I know adding a tight end is going to be a big priority for this team. And I don't see much of a better situation to go and get one than free agency. And obviously, look, we've got a lot of time now. We still have to have franchise tags placed. We still have to have um, uh, re-signings done. And, And a lot of these guys that look like prospective potential free agents might not be potential or actual actually hit free agency when all is said and done. But if Schultz is there, I really, really, really like the idea of going out there and getting Schultz. I think that he is somebody you pay whatever you have to pay to get him, whether it's $9 million, $10 million, you go and you get him. You're getting a really good route runner. You're getting a sure-handed player. You're getting somebody that has had proven success in this league who is still young and is going to be one of Zach Wilson's best friends for the foreseeable future. He is somebody that I, I would – prioritize signing if he is there very, very quickly. And honestly, Tim, if Schultz isn't there, I still think free agency is how you go out there and, and, and you target and you fix the tight end position. You know, the, the one thing that I don't hate the idea is if Schultz isn't there is draft somebody in the second or third round and pair them with a potentially high upsided signing like OJ Howard. If you can get him from Tampa Bay, David Njoku, if you can get him from Cleveland, even Evan Ingram, I know people are probably going to want to have me committed after saying that, but I don't hate the idea of going and getting Evan Ingram and pairing him with a tight end. You drafted in the second or third round. I mean, Evan Ingram was a guy who has, you know, four, four speed. Um, he has the ability to run routes. He has the ability to stretch the defense. He had an almost 800 yard season with the giants a couple of years ago, Daniel Jones's rookie year. I don't hate the idea of putting him in a new environment, a new team, a new coaching staff, and seeing if you just can't get a little bit more out of him. And if not, you have the rookie insurance there drafted as well. So I think that Schultz is is one of those players, the, the player on offense that for me is the, if he's there, go out there and get him. You know, of, of, a, of a guy who I could see being a reasonable target that's actually available, is there's a lot of players whose contracts are set to expire that I just don't think are going to be there. <clears throat> Schultz is one that I think is is the the go out there and get him signing that that I think he'll be there and if he is there you, you do whatever it takes to go and get him. And both those guys, Schultz and Williams, uh, twenty five years old, so it's it's a situation where you're not going for a guy who's pushing thirty yeah. or anything like that. They're going yeah, into that prime of their career with the young roster and all of that. It totally makes sense. Um, one position that uh, apparently, Connor, you don't feel like this team is going to chase after in free agency is the linebacker position. And the comments section in the stories on the Athletic can be a uh, a dangerous place sometimes. Uh, and, and apparently you got yourself in trouble by just saying that, like that that they have enough there at the linebacker position. Uh, people disagree with that. Just kind of explain the, the idea that C.J. Mosley, Quincy Williams, that's enough, and what they have behind that will do, and there's no need to address that position for this team. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't expect a, a comment on the athletics comment section to blow up the way that it did. And then I did a podcast the uh, the other day and and they brought it like, so what's your, your take on the linebackers? And I was like, oh, 
was like, I didn't realize like that, that actually blew up the way that it did. I mean, I'm, I'm back dabbling in my mentions, but I'm not looking at it as much as I used to. So I don't, I don't see everything that comes across. So that was a little bit of a surprise. Look, here's how I, I, I assessed the linebacker position. And I kind of talked about this a little bit before the jets are a really bad football team. They are. This is a fact. I mean, they, you don't win. You don't go from two and 14 to four and 13. I mean, that is a baby of all baby step jumps. You don't do that unless you're a bad team, right? And and you become a bad team because you don't have very good players. And you become a bad team because you don't have very good players, so you need to replace a lot of players. When I assess this Jets roster and, and you loop back in the guys that, that are coming off the injured list and the banged up list, I look at the roster and I look at it two different ways. I say, what is a need to improve and what's a want to improve? You know, a, a position that that the Jets absolutely need to address right now and a positions that are, you know, if we address it, we can absolutely get better. But maybe it's more of like a luxury. You know what I mean? Like, OK, you already have you already have Swedish fish candy, but you actually want gummy bears. Like, OK, well, Swedish fish is still pretty good. But yeah, it gets better with gummy bears. But Swedish fish is still kind of better. Like, that's honestly how I look at the Jets roster. So to just kind of characterize it, like we were just talking about tight end to me, tight end is a need. The Jets need a tight end. You can't you can't just kind of half-ass fix that. You can't go get another Tyler Croft. You need to add a tight end. That is a need. A number one receiver. That is a need, in my opinion. Right guard. That is a need, in my opinion. Right tackle? Center? I think those are two wants. Connor McGovern's a good player. Can the Jets have a better player than Connor McGovern? Absolutely. Can they find a better center in the draft with Lindenbaum or, or, or free agency? Probably. But you can survive with Connor McGovern another year. You absolutely can survive with Connor McGovern another year. You want to improve it? Maybe. But you don't have to improve the, the, the center position. Right tackle, if you were to bring back Morgan Moses and, uh, and, and George Fant. Can you find a Jack Conklin? Can you find a, 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 um, a, a Tristan Wirfs? Yeah. Would that make your team a lot better? Yeah. But you can also get by and have some success with George Fant and Morgan Moses. That's a want. I want to improve the right tackle position. You don't have to improve that right tackle position. With defense, linebacker for me is characterized as a want. Can you improve it? Absolutely. You can get a, play, a better player than Quincy Williams. You can add a third linebacker so you have a one, two, three linebacker punch that is one of the better in the league. But I don't see that as a position considering the other issues that the Jets have on defense. I don't necessarily see that as a, oh my God, we have to, have to, have to fix that linebacker position right now. Oh my God, we have to go out there and get another line. I just don't see it like that. The Jets run a 43 defense, technically. That is their base defense is a 43. Correct, yes. Robert Sala got rid of the 34. They're now a 43. But those three linebackers are on the field what 15 percent of the time 10 percent of the time 20 yeah, percent of the time NFL, in games yeah yeah in today's yeah. nfl everyone's three wide four right three three wide four wide and you max map you match that three and four wide with three defensive backs in terms of corners and then obviously your two safeties there were times when the jets were playing six defensive backs against the 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 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's one of the reasons they were able to slow Tom Brady in that offense until the fourth quarter was they were running a lot of six a lot of six defensive back packages. Basically try to get home but then drop everyone else back. So you don't need a third linebacker. You don't need another linebacker. I think I think CJ Mosley's coming back. 
I think you're going to see Quincy Williams take a big jump. Is Quincy Williams a, an all-pro player? Probably not. Is he ridiculously, ridiculously athletic? Yes. Is he going to get better? I think so, yes. He seems like he has the right mental makeup to get better. The Jets are investing a lot of resources and coaching him up and making him get better with Jeff Ulbrich and Robert Sala. And if you can get Quincy Williams to be a better player next year than he was this year and you pair him with Quincy Williams, or I'm sorry, C.J. Mosley, I think those two linebackers, Williams and Mosley, I think that's a good. I think that's a good linebacking core. Can it be better? Sure. Yeah, it can be better, but it's good. And then as that third linebacker spot, you got Sherwood and Hamza, who are the Jets are hoping take that next step. Resources and defensive backs that the Jets invested in last year to convert to linebacker that you knew was going to be rough this year, but you thought they would get better and better and better. I mean, what was it? it was it, Hamza was this team's starting weak side linebacker and Sherwood as well. Like these guys were supposed to start until both of them got hurt. So you figure they're healthy, they're another year better, they're going to have a full offseason with the Jets, a full offseason of preparing and trying to get better because now it's not going to be about uh, preparing for the draft but actually preparing for an NFL season. You now know you were drafted as a linebacker, so you're going to have a full year to prepare as a linebacker. They're going to get better. And in my opinion, Mosley, Williams, and one of those two guys at the other linebacker spot, that's fine. Like that's that's not a can, – can it improve? Absolutely, but it's not a detriment to this team. I wouldn't say it's a weakness on this team. And if you build this Jets defense up to where Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley and Hamza and or Sherwood as your three linebackers is a problem, and that's the weak spot on your defense. I shouldn't say problem, but that's the weak spot in your defense is Hamza and or Sherwood, Williams and Mosley. That's a really, really good thing because that means you fix the safety position. That's a need. You fix the corner position. That is a need. You address the interior of the defensive line, which is a need. You add another pass rusher, which is a need. All of these needs that the Jets have to, have to improve. That means you did it to the point where now you're turning to your linebackers and saying, man, we really got to get better there. Now, does this mean that the Jets won't sign some veteran to three or $4 million a year who's you know, maybe in his 30s and, and, and kind of has one or two good years left and they add him to get some veteran insurance in there with Quincy and adding another veteran voice with CJ, kind of like they hoped Jared Davis would be before they realized Jared Davis in, in New York looks exactly the same as Jared Davis in Detroit. Yeah, they could do that. But as far as investing like a first or a second round pick on a linebacker or using a seven, eight, nine million dollar a year contract to sign a linebacker, I just don't see it happening because look, you want to make the Jets so much better next year than they were this year. And the way that you do that, the way that you put the Jets into a position where they are playing playoff meaningful games late in the season, where you are playing games that are meaningful for the playoff picture, or maybe finishing the season nine and eight and getting into the playoffs. The way that you do that is one, obviously stay healthy, but two, you position your roster in a position where they don't necessarily have that many needs, where you don't look at this roster and say, God, we have to fix this. And in my opinion, it's a luxury to address and fix the linebacker position. I just don't view it as a, oh my God, they have to fix it. If they draft somebody in the third round, well, that's different. Draft somebody in the fourth round, that's different. But using a first or a second round pick or a substantial chunk of that salary cap space to sign a linebacker, I just don't see it as a necessity. I really don't. I don't see it as a need. You have not won over the chat, I will say that. But I get oh, your point. There's a lot of holes. There's a lot of holes on this team. And if you're going to rank the holes with what needs to be fixed sooner rather than later. I mean, linebackers last. I think like you're a, right that linebacker yeah. slides down that list for sure. Exactly. There's, I mean, there's much more glaring things. If I'm if I'm looking over this roster right now, I'm not I'm not even I don't have the roster up or anything like that. If I'm just going off of my head of what the Jets need right now, I would say that there are 10 positions that I would put ahead of this of the linebacker spot. I would put wide receiver one. 
ahead of, and this is again CJ Mosley, Quincy Williams, Sherwood, Hamza, and say sign a veteran for four million dollars in free agency. Like saying that grouping. In my opinion, the positions on both sides of the ball that I put ahead of linebacker before you even get to linebacker defensively, pass rusher opposite Carl Lawson. That's up there. These are not in any specific order, not like one, two, three, four, but just ahead of linebacker. Pass rusher opposite Carl Lawson. An influx of talent at the interior of the defensive line position because I think Foley Fachikasi is going to walk. And then, sorry, but but rolling with Kyle Phillips and Nathan Shepard, that's not mimicking the defensive line in San Francisco. The Jets want to be led by the defensive line. You need to improve that defensive tackle position as well. You need to. You need some bodies in there that can move and, and shift and be good. I mean, you need some defensive tackles there. I would put pass rusher, defensive tackle, free safety, strong safety, cornerback. That's five right there. Immediately. Cornerback, meaning number one cornerback, ball hawking cornerback. That's five. You go offense. Tight end, we were just talking about Schultz. You need a tight end. That's number one. Wide receiver one. You need that. You need a right guard. I would put those three. So that's eight positions on the top. That's eight positions ahead of linebacker. Can you improve linebacker? Again, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that you can't improve linebacker. But these other positions you need to address first. But I, another, another example of where I would fit linebacker in with this, the Jets want to compliment to Mike Carter. I know that. Like, the Jets want to find a compliment to Mike Carter for a one-two punch. They believe Mike Carter is a very, very good running back. They don't think he's a star. They think he's a good running back. They want to pair him with someone. They believe if you've got a one-two punch of Mike Carter and running back to be named later, you're going to have a dynamic force. It's clearly not Ty Johnson. I thought it could have been based off of Ty Johnson's skill set, but we saw this year it's not Ty Johnson. Tevin Coleman averaged 4.2 yards a carry this year, but was, as is the case throughout Tevin Coleman's career, he's just never, never healthy. Adding a guy to with Mike Carter – that's a that's a that'd be a good thing to do. It's also it's also a want. It's not a need. You don't need to do that with your other issues on offense. You can get by another year with Mike Carter and sign a veteran free agent. You can get by with that. You don't need to invest a second round pick. You don't need to invest a third round pick. I mean, look, I mean, hell, I don't know if they ever will. You look at Eli Mitchell with the 49ers, which is again the same offense the Jets are running. They got him in the sixth round. He's like a hundred yard game guy. Like, so I mean it's a, you you find a skill set. It's almost like the Patriots with slot receivers. You find a player that has a skill set. Who cares if it's if he plays in at, at South Dakota State or or Northwestern Montana on the East Coast? Like, who gives a shit? Like, it's just you find a player with that skill set and he'll work in your offense. That's very similar to the running back position with. I mean, yeah, you can get dynamic. But that's very similar to the running back position with this one. But those eight spots, I put them ahead of adding a compliment to Mike Carter. I put them ahead of add, adding, addressing the linebacker position. Like, you don't, you just don't need that you don't need that i mean i would say how many defenses do you look at across the nfl that you say that defense is great is a great defense because their linebacker is their best player right the buffalo bills have Edmonds, right but i can name 10 of the players in that defense that have more of an impact than he does he, and if you took Edmonds out and you put a a good player in there like a good one in there you probably still have the the same impact fred warner fred warner goes down in san francisco fred warner is a great player but you put a good linebacker in there instead of a great one, that linebacker is still dominant because of that defensive line, because of that secondary, because of the safety position. That's just a fact. You know what I mean? Who's the who's the 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 Packers middle linebacker, right? That's a good defense. Who's the Packers middle linebacker? Like you don't need that game-changing, dynamic, be-all, end-all linebacker right now. That is a cherry on top position for this defense. You are fine. Fine. Not great, but fine with Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley. You assume Jamie and Sherwood and Hamza are going to take a next step. You can add a veteran to the mix just in case they don't. That three-linebacker spot, it's not going to be the best in the NFL. It's not going to be great. It's not going to be dynamic, but it's going to be good enough. 
And if you have a good enough linebacking situation and then you fix where you have to safety and you fix where you have to corner and you fix where you have to with finding another pass rusher, if you get to the point where we go into next offseason saying, okay, the Jets need to add a linebacker, tip your hat to, to, to Joe Douglas. It means he did a hell of a job. It means the offense is set and the defense is set. And now you're finding the cherry on top pieces to add to the Sunday. Like that's where the Jets want to get to. They want to get to the point like the 49ers are, like the Packers are, like the Buffalo Bills are, where you're going into an offseason, you're going into a draft saying, you know what? We can invest a first-round pick on a linebacker because we kind of have just about everything else. We can invest a first-round pick, a late first-round pick on a running back because we kind of have everything else. You want to get to that point. The Jets aren't to that point, and the way that you get to that point is you address the needs before you address the wants. The same reason why Mike McCagnan in 2019 never should have signed Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley. He never should have. There were other places where those resources should have been devoted. That was that was the whole Le'Veon Bell discussion. I remember talking to Adam Gase about it, where he was like, look, yeah. I, I, loved, I love Le'Veon Bell. He's a great player. But Le'Veon Bell was the player that you add to a team that is on the cusp of being there. He's your over-the-hump player. He's not going to make any team that's rebuilding a contender. That's why we didn't need Le'Veon Bell. We didn't need him because we're not at the point where we need Le'Veon Bell. We need to fix the offensive line. We need to add receivers. We need to do that before we get Bell. It's similar to that for me. That's how I view the linebacker position. That's honestly how I view it right now. And I don't, don't, I don't want right. anyone either, real quick, last point. Is, I really don't want anyone either to point to like the uh, what Parsons is doing in, in Dallas. Because Parsons in Dallas, that's a, a defense is a little bit further along. But Parsons has also become defensive rookie of the year and potentially defensive player of the year because of his ability as a pass rusher. So if you're telling me you're going to go get a linebacker that can also rack up 15 or 16 sacks a year, then okay, yeah, invest the first round pick in the linebacker. If that's what we're going to talk, if you can find a linebacker that can do what Parsons does, rushing the passer, go get him. But if you're just talking to me about an inside linebacker, traditional outside linebacker, like a KJ Wright or something, no, I'm I, you don't need it yet. You don't need that yet. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with a uh, Dane Brugler mock draft. Uh, we'll discuss that and more coming up after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Great line from the chat. Don't buy a Roomba if you need a roof over your house, Scott. Going back to our comments about the linebacker position. Um, all right, let's talk mock draft. Dane Brugler's 2.0 is out. He actually did two rounds of the draft um, going in-depth on round one, but then he did two uh, round two as well, which means four picks for the Jets. Um, let's talk about it, Connor, because it could be affected, obviously, by what this team does in free agency or if they pull off a trade for a receiver. He has an interesting top to the draft. Surprise at number one, Ikem Equin. I don't know how to say it, and I apologize for that. 
Equanu, <laughs> the offensive tackle from NC State. That's what we'll call him go. from now on. That's what I uh, he has him going number one to the Jags. So then that moves back the pass rushers. Aiden Hutchinson going two to the Lions. Uh, Thibodeau going three to the Texans, which creates a choice for the Jets. Because I always thought like, well, if Neal's gone, they go with Stingley or depending on what's going on there. But in this scenario, Neal's there, Stingley's there. Uh, Dane says they go with Stingley. It's something we've talked a lot about. And then at number 10, he has them going for the receiver that he talked about on this show last week. Garrett Wilson, who's now become the number one receiver in this draft um, at number 10. That would obviously change if they go out and trade for Ridley. But certainly interesting to to see uh, how he has it playing out for the Jets. Yeah, I will say that if if Thibodeau or Hutchinson are available at three, that's something where I could see the Jets picking up the phone and and calling Houston. And I, I could I could see Joe Douglas saying, look, we'll give you four and a fourth, or we'll give you a four and one of our threes, or we'll give you a four, a one, our our first, we'll give you a five and something in 2023, where the Jets go up and get their pass rusher. Like I I could see that happening where because that that basically completes their defensive line. And you're giving up one mid-round pick to have a massive like check mark knocked off. Cause you would then have a, a defensive line basically of Hutchinson on one side, Carl Lawson on the other side. And then you have the rotation of defensive linemen in the middle with Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers, all that stuff. So I could absolutely see that being the case. And I think that Houston would be open to that. I don't think Houston is, is Houston realizes they have a lot of needs. They really do. And I don't think Houston's so married to let's just go get Hutchinson. Let's go get Thibodeau by any stretch. Like these guys, Neither of these players, Hutchinson and, and Dane talked about this with us, neither Hutchinson nor Thibodeau are what the Bosa's were. Neither of those guys are what Chase Young was or is. Like, they're not. I mean, they're they're Hutchinson. I mean, they're both really good players. They're both probably worthy of a top 15, top 10 pick. But like Dane said, they're, they're not bona fide, no doubt, holy shit, it's a franchise-altering pass rusher that you're getting. But if the Jets can move up one spot and just have to give a middle-round pick to a guy that they think has double-sack potential, maybe isn't isn't Bosa, but is still a really, really, really good pass rusher. And you pair him on a defensive line that you're looking to basically make it impossible to double team anyone. Because if you add that player with a healthy Carl Lawson and Quinton Williams and John Franklin Myers, it's pick your poison. I mean, you can't double any one of those guys because then you're giving single blocking to somebody else. I mean, it's just not going to work. So I could absolutely see the Jets moving up. As far as what his picks for the Jets looked like, I get it from... Dane's perspective like there they, they there's two massive needs arguably the two biggest needs on the Jets are, are aside from safety cornerback one wide receiver one right like those are two of this team's biggest needs and the way that his mock draft fell for this one you're getting the top cornerback in Stingley and then you're getting the top receiver in, in Garrett Wilson and and when we had Dane on the podcast last week he said that that you know Wilson was based off his skills and what he's evaluated him with he's he's a perfect tailor-made fit for for Michael Floor's offense my thing that I just struggle with is that the Jets, among the reasons the Jets have had so many issues over the last three years, and you can probably extend it even even more past that, has been injuries, right? Like, they have had so, so, so many problems staying healthy. They really have. They have had an immense amount of issues staying healthy. Stingley scares me for that regard. Stingley st- scares me with that. I don't know if he's going to stay healthy. And if you don't know if he's going to stay healthy, 
I don't know how you add him to a defense that's biggest or whose biggest issue last year was health and staying healthy. The corner position is also one that there's always exceptions like Jalen Ramsey and things like that, but it's very rare for the corner position to come in year one, year two and be a lockdown shutdown corner, right? Like rookie corners take a bit to develop. It takes them a little bit to develop. That's why I genuinely believe that the Jets, this free agency or, or this offseason are going to be searching for their version of what Richard Sherman was when he signed with the 49ers, because that was a very young secondary. They went and they added a veteran proven corner who maybe only had two or three years left, but they were going to be two or three really good years. They added that veteran corner to their defense, and you saw the way that that impacted and changed their defense. Now, granted, that was a perfect opportunity where Richard Sherman at the right point of his career was a free agent and the 49ers could go out there and get him. You have to have that similar situation here. I don't know if Stephon Gilmore is that. I don't know if he's the mentally the player that the, that the Jets would want to add, but that type of a player where, yeah, he maybe only has two or three years left. You're going to have to pay him a little bit more in year three than what he was worth in year two and year one. But for what he would mean to this defense, you get a guy that is a proven we are fine at that one corner position right now. We are good shape. And then you have the kids in Brandon Eccles and Bryce Hall and Isaiah Dunn compete for that other outside corner position. I don't know if you can necessarily do that if you add another rookie because you're also now running into the risk of what if Stingley's not the player you hope? What if Stingley gets hurt? Then all of a sudden you're back in the same situation needing a corner. I think the Jets want somebody that's proven. You know what I mean? I think they want the player at cornerback that they know what they're getting in him. They know what they've got in him. They go and they sign him. They add him to this defense, and you have the youngsters compete on the other side. I think that's what the Jets are, are going to look to do. J.C. Jackson, obviously, is. I, we talked about this with Dane or, or last podcast or one of the shows that I was on where I think J.C. Jackson would be a good fit. I've just heard some things about him where he might not be the type of player that Robert Sala wants, like from what I've heard about Jackson. Like I've heard some things about him where like he's externally motivated by money, and you kind of worry if once he gets paid, is he going to be the same player? I don't know if that's the type of player the Jets would add. I, I kind of start to lean towards, this is just my opinion, but lean towards Stephon Gilmore as the corner to put there. At receiver with Garrett Wilson, I'm all about it, unless the Jets trade for one. Because that that's honestly where I think the Jets are, are best off. You know, you don't, I don't look at this Jets offense and think, okay, you add a rookie receiver who needs to grow and learn, and that's going to help. The Jets need to make Zach Wilson better now. They need to make his life easier now. They don't need to make his life easier in three years. They don't need to make his life easier in two years. They need to make his life easier next season. And you do that by adding a proven player. I don't know if drafting a rookie who, like corner, receivers tend to take a little bit to develop. I don't know if drafting a receiver and having him be your ex and your number one now. And a receiver class that, from what we've talked to Dane, what I've heard privately from the sources that I have, I don't think his receiver class is that great. I don't know if that's as good of an idea of trading for one. Now, look, if, if Calvin Ridley is too expensive or the Jets don't get the insurances that they need to get where he's okay mentally and things like that, and a trade just doesn't work for Calvin Ridley, and you look in free agency and you're not too happy with Allen Robinson, who I know the Jets aren't that high on, and, and, you, and you don't necessarily believe that Mike Williams is number one receiver, well, you might not have any choice but to draft Garrett Wilson. He's your number one receiver, and you go into that situation. But in the perfect world, I see the Jets signing a corner and trading for a receiver. That's what I see happening in the Jets' ideal world is they sign Stephon Gilmore or J.C. Jackson. They get the proven corner one side, and then they go out there and they trade for the receiver. If they do that, suddenly it opens up more options. It opens up the ability to trade up for a pass rusher if he's there at three. 
it opens up the ability to address the offensive line, move Makai Becton to right tackle to compete with Fan and draft a left tackle. Add the ability to potentially be in there on that center guard from Iowa. Make a play there for that one. I mean, there's there's a lot more options and flexibility if the Jets are able to do those two things, which is why I, I disagree slightly with Dane's draft just because I, I look at it from a what's going to happen in free agency, what's going to happen for trade. That's what I look at it at. So if they if what happens in free if what I think is going to happen in free agency happens in free agency and the Jets make a couple of trades like I think they're going to make a couple of trades they don't need to go corner receiver with their first two picks they don't so we'll see if that happens but I mean look if if they can't get the corner free agency and they can't get the receiver then look this draft looks works out pretty good because it fills two pretty big needs so what doing a mock draft at this point on the calendar is just so yeah. hard it's impossible you know you after don't the know draft, what teams like, are going to do a mock yeah. after the first second wave of the fr- like after the first and second wave of free agency drop your mock then because then you actually know because right. I, I mean every and teams yeah and every team says like we're going to draft for best player available right bpa 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 it's all horseshit they draft the best player available at that position unless you're mike mccagnan you draft the best play and then you just pick the wrong players you draft the best player available at a position of need that's what you do and and what you fill in free agency you don't generally go and get in the draft. That's just how this works. So that's that's kind of how you're gonna. I, I would I would wait to see what the Jets are gonna do because I think this is going to be a very active, very eventful, very aggressive offseason for Joe Douglas. And those three things are going to dramatically change what they're gonna do in the draft. This draft sets up really interesting um, when you think down the road because obviously the Jets pick at four. Giants picking at five, though, means there's going to constantly be that look back, right? Like if the Jets do take Stingley, which you don't think they'll do, but if they do, and then the Giants take Neil and Neil becomes this like, you know, 12 year veteran, just solid offensive lineman for for a generation for the Giants and the Jets just constantly have to keep looking, you know, (laughs) across town there. That would be brutal. And, And no matter what happens. Because they're back to back, it's going to be interesting to see yeah. how it all plays out. All right, we got to take another break. Go ahead. Connor, okay. Real quick. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to make one more point on a trick. I, I have seen this. I do want to address this because a lot of people I've seen have, have been in my mentions and a lot of people have been in my um, uh, the comment section, basically saying on on the stories like there is there is no way the Jets should give up a first round pick for there is no way in hell the Jets should give up a first round pick for Calvin Ridley. Like that idea is is blasphemous. He's nowhere near the same receiver that Stefan Diggs was leaving uh, Minnesota. So the re- because he's nowhere near the same receiver that Stefan Diggs was leaving Minnesota, there's no way that the Jets should be thinking about giving up the number 10 pick for Calvin Ridley. If you have the mental concerns taken care of, you do all of your homework and you know without a matter, without, a, with, with, without any doubt in your mind that the mental concerns are fine. I don't think you're going to give up the same package of picks for Stefan Diggs because there is still that mental aspect at play. But this notion that Stefan Diggs was such an immensely better receiver than Calvin Ridley at this point in time is just is just not true. I mean, I'll read off the, the numbers of Stefan Diggs throughout his tenure in Buffalo or in Minnesota, I'm sorry, from 2015 before his trade to to the Bills. 52 catches, 720 yards, four touchdowns. 84 903 three touchdowns 64 849 eight touchdowns 102 catches 1021 yards nine touchdowns 63 catches 1100 yards six touchdowns not once did he have 1200 yards not once did he have double digit touchdowns once he caught over 100 balls every other year he had under 85 catches in a year he did that on an offense playing with Adam Thielen 
who was their number one receiver. Adam Thielen was the Vikings' number one receiver when he was in there with Stephon Diggs. He was Minnesota's number one receiver with Stephon Diggs. The Bills traded for him at 27 years old, and that's when he erupted into the player that he was. 127 catches, 1,500 yards last year, 103 catches, 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns this year. Tim, tell me how similar these first three years of Calvin Ridley's career sound to you. Year one, as a rookie, 64 catches, 821 yards, 10 touchdowns. Year two, in 13 games, so he missed three games, 63 catches, 866, seven touchdowns. Year three, in 15 games, 90 catches, 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns. He's now in, in yeah. he only played five games last year. And in the five games he had, you know, he had the, the 31 catches, 281, two touchdowns in the five games. And then obviously he took a break for mental health. They're and basically most the receivers do take years to develop, right? I mean, exactly. it makes sense. The yes. first couple yes, slow years three. and then he, then he breaks yeah. out. Yes. It takes two, usually two to three years for, I've been told about coaches. I've been told about like two to three years for the receiver to develop. Calvin Rindley's not worse than Stefan Diggs. You can make the argument that he is a better player now than Stefan Diggs was at the same point in his career. Like after their three years, four years, like you can make the argument that he's the better player. He was playing with the same kind of the typical, like I would say Kirk cousins and Matt Ryan are basically a wash. He had Julio Jones. He had Adam Thielen. Like there there's, there's, you know, the, 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 it's a wash. Like this notion that Calvin Ridley is nowhere near the type of receiver that Stefan Diggs is. That's just not true. If you're looking at them, they're at the first three, four years of their career in both of their respective years. So yeah. Do I think it's going to cost exactly what the Buffalo bills gave up? No, because there are other variables at play, which goes into consideration of, you know, I've, I've heard that, 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 you know, Arthur Smith and Calvin Ridley don't really get along that he's got issues with that head coach. I've heard that, you know, there, there's obviously the mental health break that he had to take. There are other variables in play. There's also the fact that the jets, draft picks are worth more than the Buffalo Bills draft picks. Like the Buffalo Bills were a better team before they acquired Buffalo Bills than what the Jets are right now, obviously. So their draft picks are going to, the Jets draft picks are going to have more value than the Buffalo Bills draft picks did at the same time. So I don't think it's going to cost as much, but this notion of giving up a first round pick just being completely blasphemous. Again, remember what Dane said. Or remember what I, if you don't believe the sources that I have, listen to what Dane said. He said that the top 15 players that are going to be drafted in this year's draft wouldn't have gone top 15 last year. Your one, two, three right. picks in this year's draft would not have been top 15 picks next year. So yeah, you're trading the number 10 pick in the draft. You're trading the number 10 pick in the draft in a draft class that is not loaded, in a draft class that doesn't have stars, a draft class that is more good than great or excellent. So there's value there. That's why Joe Douglas is open to trading these picks. That's why Joe Douglas is open to trading draft picks because he realizes what this class is. There's depth to be had. There's not really stars. So if you can go out there and get a star, a star that basically had the same exact career as Stefan Diggs did basically the same career as Stefan Diggs did to this point. Statistically you do it. And it's not that blasphemous or, or asinine to think that they would give up the number 10 pick in the draft to do it. It's just not. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back with the first annual jets. Can't wait awards. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we asked and you delivered, filling out the questionnaire. We got a, a good amount of responses from everybody for the first annual Can't Wait Jets postseason awards. So we're going to go through the results and some of these obvious, some of them were a little bit surprising and uh, Marissa and Connor haven't heard these yet either. So here we go. Offensive MVP. Um, Connor, stop me if you want to weigh in. Otherwise, we could just keep moving along. But offensive MVP, Elijah Vera Tucker running away with 56.7% wow. of the vote. Yep. Elijah I think it's Moore. because the majority of our listeners, I was going to say it's probably because the majority of our listeners are Michael Dunn fans as well. And Michael Dunn is also a guard, so they appreciate the, the respect. that <laughs> I actually voted for there. Elijah Moore. So Michael would there you be go. probably well, Elijah Moore was but... Elijah Moore was second at 26.1%. Okay. Uh, Zach Wilson third at 9%. All right, okay. defensive MVP. I agree with all of CJ Mosley, 84.3% just runs away with that one. So no big surprise there. He was... He was the guy on a defense that struggled. Quincy Williams, second, 6.7% of the Quincy, vote. Quincy, everyone wants to replace now. <laughs> yeah. Down, yeah. And Quincy Williams is Pro Bowl potential, man. They, they, The defensive coordinator, the head coach, they've said Quincy Williams is Pro Bowl potential. But I agree with offensive MVP. I think it's Elijah Vera Tucker. I, I, Crowder just didn't play enough. Denzel Mims, haha. Uh, Elijah Moore, same thing. He did. I think Elijah Moore was trending that way if he played the final four or five games. But but sitting aside, obviously, the, the numbers just weren't there. I think he's the most promising player. Mike White was obviously a good storyline. And Zach Wilson, you just can't look at those stats and say he was the MVP. I mean, there were there were games he cost the Jets. But Elijah Vera Tucker, I think he's got most promise. Jets believe he has all pro potential. We'll see it. And defensive MVP, there's there's no one else that's really in the mix. Quinn and Williams, the injury. Yep. Also didn't put up the numbers you kind of expected from that three-tech position. You hope injuries were reason why and that he can bounce back next year with, with some pass rushing counterparts. Michael Carter's a good player, not great. And John Franklin Myers really fizzled after that strong start. I put Mims on the offensive MVP list just as a joke, and he ended up getting 4.5% of the vote. So we know the people that weren't taking this fully seriously. Uh, special teams MVP. So it's obviously Braxton Berrios. But give me a guess, both of you, Marissa, Connor, what percentage? It was Braxton Berrios, Eddie Pinheiro, and, Brent, and uh, Braden Mann. What percentage did Braxton Berrios collect? 96? 92. 97. So Ooh, Connor, oh, closest without oh, going I was closest. Over, yeah. Closest not going over. Yeah, I win. All right. Most improved player, George Fent, gets 55.2%. Uh, Bryce Hall is second, 23.1%. And Braxton Berrios, actually third, 15.7%. Uh, rookie of the year, 
This isn't a surprise. Elijah Vera Tucker being yeah. offensive MVP, also the second? rookie of the year. 51.5% for Tucker. Second, barely, Michael Carter. Huh. Michael Carter, the uh, defensive. I uh, know Michael, just Michael Carter, 25.4%. I, I still can't believe we live in a world where this is the three of two Michael Carter. <laughs> uh, Elijah Moore, third, 20.1%. And Zach Wilson, what do we got here? Michael Carter, second, and Zach Wilson, Tie one point five percent on this one. So there. You go. Honestly, I think if you're if we're being honest with ourselves, Zach's last on this list. I mean, I would I would have gone. Well, he was. Elijah I mean, he was tied, but yeah. Yeah, but I I think it's like a considerable last. Like I would say, Elijah Vera Tucker was my rookie of the year, no doubt. I think then you probably have you can make the argument for Mike Carter DB or Elijah Moore receiver. I would say just from a talent perspective, I think Elijah Moore. I mean, if Elijah Moore stayed healthy, he's going to run away with this. But uh, I would go Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore. Michael Carter, DB, Michael Carter, running back, and then Zach Wilson. I mean, I, I just I don't know how you don't put Zach last on this list. I mean, the guy went. You can make the arguments about statistically he was here. He didn't have help, yada, yada. But he still went 3-10 and 10 as a starter, 55.6 completion percentage. Didn't even throw for, I mean, nine touchdowns, 11 picks. Did he? I don't think once he threw for 300 yards this season in a game. No, he never threw for 300 yards this season. So, I mean, you can believe in Zach. You can hope that Zach's going to be a franchise quarterback. I think he definitely got better, but as far as rookie of the year, I mean, he was he was undoubtedly, in my opinion, last on, on of those players. All right, most disappointing player, no surprise here, Denzel Mims, fifty eight point two percent. Makai Becton, thirty two point one percent. He was my pick. Okay, Becton over. Okay, uh, Corey Davis, six point seven percent, and Ashton Davis, three percent. Yeah, uh, I went best Becton. game. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll go that one real quick because I I went Becton as my most disappointing player, and the reason that I did was because he um. You had a guy that, that you had pro. You were talking about Pro Bowl All Pro after his first year, and and the guy played one game. He was bad in camp, got hurt, got hurt again. So that was that was my most disappointing. I feel like people went with Mims because he was healthy and also yeah. and just Fair. bad versus second round pick and stunk. Yeah, yeah. Best game of the year: forty four point eight percent. Week eight, the thirty four thirty one win over the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, then the second was close. Twenty seven point six percent went with the win over the Titans. And 24.6%, so just behind that one in third, was actually the Week 17 loss to Tampa Bay, which also yeah. had the Antonio Brown situation. That was a lot. That was an entertaining game, so I, I get it. Yeah. Um, all right, worst game of the year, 75.4%. Week 6, the 54-13 to 13 loss to the Patriots. Uh, second place distant with 11.9% was the Thursday night football debacle in Indianapolis, the 45-30 loss that was... So much worse than 45 to 30. Uh, biggest need in heading into the offseason for 2022. This one pretty close. 38.3% say number one wide receiver. 28.6% edge rusher. 17.3% number one cornerback. Uh, and then the final question, best Marvel Comics Universe movie. This was, was all over the map. But number one Avengers Endgame, 26.1%. Uh, Infinity War, 20.2%. Spider-Man No Way Home, 16.8%. And then Black Panther, 9.2%. And then there was more after that. Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, 10.1%. So people's opinions of the uh, Marvel comic universe are, are all, all over the place. Yeah. Uh, but Endgame wins it. Um, I'm still Infinity go. War. Infinity War is a perfect. Endgame was, a, uh, was the perfect conclusion, but Infinity War was a perfect movie. I think that's just my opinion. I feel like they, it's almost like it was like one movie anyway, right? Yeah. Kind of stuck together. Yeah. Um, 
And the buildup is always better than the finish in a lot of cases with the movie. So, all right, that's it. I know Marissa's got to go. So we're going to race. We're going to tweet out our picks for the uh, playoff games this week. Just to fill you in, Connor went 5-1 and one last week to get to 500, 25-25. 6-0 money line, though. Money line bet Mar- Connor. Marissa, 4-2, and two, so she still has a good lead in the overall race. I was 3-3. Three and, three, and I continue to stink. All right, that is going to do it for us. If you want to join The Athletic, you can do it for 33% off an annual subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. We will talk to you again sometime soon. Not sure exactly when. Connor's going on vacation. We'll talk to you soon.